we made this. everyone and welcome to Without a Mouse podcast, the podcast where we watch and review the obscure and forgotten live action Disney movies on the hunt for a hidden gem. As always, I'm Tim. Hello. Hope you're all doing all right. This is our second recording during lockdown. Um, we're still here. We're still alive. We're still plodding on. Can't say we will for forever. And I'm alone in the studio again, but we've got a very special guest today. He is a co-host of the podcast Cinemortuary with our good friend Chris Wilson. It's Rob Yeomans. Hello, Rob. Hello, Tim. How are you? Uh, yeah, I'm all right. I can't complain, but I, I probably should. <laughs> I, must, I must commend you on your very professional intro, intro. Just to riff that like that without any kind of script or pre-preparation is, is an achievement. I know, I know. It just, it just came to me as I, you know, I started the sentence and it just blossomed and kept growing like a beautiful flower. It's a beautiful thing. Do you want to just uh, explain your podcast a little bit? Because it's the first time we've had you on our show, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I'm sure, I'm sure uh, Christopher Wilson Esquire has touched upon it at a few points or another. Uh, basically, I host a podcast uh, on the lovely We Made This Network, the same as as, as this beautiful beautiful where audio majesty comes from. Um, hello, Tony. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, we, uh, between the three of us, we kind of are engulfed in a, a game of sort of one-upsmanship um, to find out who can, um, how the three of us can find the shittest and yet most entertaining horror sequel or remake ever made. Um, a journey which takes us on some truly, truly dark paths of reality. Yeah, it's a good one. I like it. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so, how's your lockdown going at the minute? It's going all right, you know. It's going all right, Tim. I'm, you know, I'm doing sort of slightly weird and mad things, like like a lot of people are, I guess. I, I power washed the patio for the first time in my life. Uh, yeah, we've done that. We've we've done that one. Yeah, <laughs> I've taken up yoga, um, which oh. um, just to just to colour the listeners with some context, I am uh, six foot four. Um, and quite awkward and out of proportion. So yoga's not really my first calling, but giving it a go. We've got, um, I don't know if you've seen the adverts for it, Ring Fit Adventure on the Switch. I have. It's actually really fun, but I can never be asked to do it because it it's actually a decent workout. Yeah. But that's that's been my, uh, my lockdown exercise. Yeah. So yeah, you've decided to come on this show despite knowing exactly what you're in for, which I was very surprised at. So thank you for your sacrifice. Uh, it's a rite of passage, I think. Yeah, on a scale of Chris to Tim, what would you, where would you put yourself on the Disney fan scale? I would put myself um, just slightly a couple of steps down from Chris. Uh, <laughs> But still, still, still closer to Chris than, than Tim on the Disney scale. I would not consider myself to be an expert by any means. Fair enough. So we ask all of our guests when they come on for the first time what your Mount Rushmore of Disney characters would be. And obviously, you know, if you're even less of a Disney fan than Chris, then uh, you might might have struggled with this one. Yeah, well, what I did, Tim, um, was I had a, an extremely um, scientific process behind selecting my Mount Rushmore. Uh, All right. 
and I googled Disney characters <laughs> and scrolled through it for about 35 minutes until I started to realise that actually I may need to be more specific within my um, so that's that's kind of how I went about it There's, there are four faces on Mount Rushmore are there? Is that there right? are indeed yep oh thank fuck for that right good <laughs> Um, so yes, would you like some? Would you like some of these items? Let, let's hear it. Okay, so I'm a bit, I'm a, I'm a bit of a basic bitch with three of them, but um, you know, fucking whatever. It's my Mount Rushmore, isn't it? It is. Um, so number one, uh, straight in hot with uh, Simba from The Lion King. Ah, oh, classic. Can't go wrong with. Classic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great soundtrack, and uh, yeah, one of the films of my childhood. Yes, strong start. Okay. Interestingly, none of these characters, I've just realised, are from my favourite Disney film of all time, but alas. Oh, right, okay. It's interesting, isn't it? Uh, so, number two, another classic, it has to be Woody from Toy Story. Yeah, all right, yeah. Which I was concerned at first because I thought, hmm, is that, is that a Disney thing? So I Pixar split off from Disney, but I did my research and we're still saying it's Disney, aren't we? Well, yeah, I think Disney play fast and loose with these things anyway, so it's fine. <laughs> okay, yes. Uh, number three. Uh, is the genie from Aladdin? Oh right, yeah, good, good call, yeah. Nice, nice blue blob of fun. So we're we've, we're three out of four, and we're all very strictly in the nineties here. So this is all very uh, childhood memories going on here. It is, and the final one is also with that theme, but also a slight tangent. Um, my fourth um, member of the Mount Rushmore is Professor Philip Brainard, who is Robin Williams's character from Flubber. Oh, mate, I loved Flubber as a kid. Yeah, so there you go. That's uh, So I thought I'd just throw it a little bit more out to left field with my fourth choice. Do you know what, Rob? I'm desperate to uh, to review Flubber for this podcast, and that's the only reason I haven't watched it since uh, getting Disney+. Plus. You could have had that as your pick, you know. I could have done. I could have done. And do you know what? I did consider it, and then I thought... <sighs> I don't, it's one of them things where... I'm a bit worried about watching it again because I haven't watched it since I was quite young. And I don't want to get into that situation where, like, you watch something that you loved when you were a kid and you're like, actually, that's a bit shit. Um, but I'm sure it wouldn't be. The thing I that secured it in my memory as a really amazing film was it was one of the few lines of Happy Meal toys that I collected the full set of. Oh. So I, I must have really liked it back then. Yeah, yeah. Because you could, you could even get a little tub of uh, flubber which was just basically like Play-Doh or some shit. <laughs> Those were the days of, uh, of, of good uh, good toy times at McDonald's. Yeah. Um, so if those were not your favourite Disney films, what what is your all-time top one? My all-time top one is um, The Aristocats. <gasps> oh, interesting. Yeah. So that's, that's not a 90s, that's 70s. We actually watched it last week and... To be honest, not a fan. No, yeah, well, that's okay. I mean, I'm not a goofy fan either, Tim. So you know, we're like, oh yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's absolutely fine. We're all good sports here. So none of those films are uh, films that you picked for the podcast. Um, do you do you want to tell everyone what you picked? Yes, I picked sports classic um, from the year 2000 uh, with an unexpectedly pretty impressive cast. I went. For yeah. Remember the Titans because I know you love sports. Yeah, that was that was great fun. Thank thank you for that one, Rob. I've I've really enjoyed doing a sport this week. 
<laughs> did you sport very hard while you were? Did you do any research around sports? Did you start playing sports in the back garden with uh, your long-suffering partner? Have a guess. Is it? Is the answer no? Uh, yeah. So, so was the what, were there any other reasons that you picked this film, or was it literally just to torment me? <laughs> it, it was it's one of those films where I kind of remember seeing it sort of a little bit when it came out, and I kind of thought it wasn't awful. I was basically trying to avoid something that was incredibly boring because. For, for those for those five people who listen to Cinematory, um, I do have a habit of accidentally falling into a trap of a terribly boring film. So I was kind of conscious to avoid that, uh, but I wanted to try something a little bit different as well. Fair enough. So are you a fan of American football in general? Do you know much about it? Did you understand the terms they were using in this film? I don't know a lot about American football. Not particularly a fan. Um, the only thing I understood is the fact that they have to like if your team that you're playing for has the ball in American football, then you have your offensive line on the pitch. Then when you lose the ball, all your offensive players come off the pitch and any defensive players come on. It's a very stop start game that I'm not a massive fan of, but that's the only thing about American football that I knew prior to this match. Well, to be honest, it's more than I knew, and uh, I, I still was able to follow it, because this is a barely about football, to be honest, is it? Um, so the, the other theme of the film is uh, also racism. So are you a fan of racism, Rob? Um, not particularly, Tim. It's not, it's, not in my, it's not in my top five things and interests, um, but it is, uh, it is something that you know, I am slightly aware of the existence of. Uh, <laughs> About yourself, what what is your stance on racism? Um, I can't say it's ever been something I've been, you know, in the in the area of. So yeah, not really a fan. I wouldn't say. Yeah. No, I think uh, I think we're both on the same page with that. Oh. Right. Shall we? Shall we get stuck in to remember the Titans then? Let's bloody do it, shall we? You smile. Why are you smiling? Football's fun. You think football is fun? Yes, no. No? Certainly, uh, it was fun. Not anymore, though, is it? Is it? No, not by now. No, it's not fun anymore. Not even a little bit. Zero fun, sir. All right. Coach Boone's school board made the decision to put you on my staff. I did not hire you. Well, I came up here to coach you. I didn't ask to be assigned to your staff, so I guess we're both in a situation we don't want to be in. But I can guarantee you this, Coach. I come to win. We will be perfect in every aspect of the game. Get up, boy! Get up! Get up! Get up! We're still weak on the left side. We're not weak on the left side. It's not the problem. What is the problem? I don't need you up on my face all that. I don't care if you like each other or not, but you will respect each other. I want you to tell me something about one of your teammates. I'm rooming with Blue, sir. He wears those leopard-spotted underwear. Bikini style, sir. Okay, maybe somebody who's not your woman. Each one of you will spend time every day with a different teammate. Huh? Does the term cruel and unusual punishment mean anything to you? If you lose a game, they'll fire you. One game, just like that. From 
mother, don't you know me? And your mama went out on the town last night. <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> what happened to you? Man, I just gave your mama a piggyback ride, and she weighs twice as much as I do. <laughs> What's going on? We wanted to let you know we was going to warm up a little different tonight. We are the State, right? Right. Greek mythology, the Titans were greater even than the gods. We're gonna change the way we run. They ruled their universe with absolute power. We're gonna change the way we block. For that football field out there tonight, that's our universe. We're gonna change the way we win. You don't let anything, nothing, come between us. We are teams. So it came out in the year of our Lord 2000. And it's one hour and 54 minutes long, which, uh, to be honest, I've, I've, I lost the will to live at that very start of the film, seeing that on the on the screen that it was going to be in. I was going to be sporting for this amount of time. I don't think I had the stamina. Nice. Nice that you gave it a chance from the off. Yeah, um, I was um, deciding, you know, which which part of the building would be best for, you know, getting really stuck in for some sport and um Kirsty was playing Animal Crossing on the big telly in the living room so I thought the most appropriate place for me to watch this sport film was uh laid flat out on my bed so that's where I watched from so it starts off we get a, we get the Disney logo the old school 90s Disney logo but it's in a very sort of browns and golds very autumnal colors and I thought straight away they were setting up this isn't a kids film this is a this is a mature audience that we're wanting for this film yeah it's a bespoke opening yeah and we get in the credits that it's a jerry Bruckheimer production which uh made me think national treasure but uh this was nowhere near as exciting yes uh, i've only seen the first national treasure it was it was perfectly fine (laughs) i'm surprised chris hasn't made you watch the other one um, yes, no, so am I, to be honest with you. Um, I think if he could figure out a way around it, he would probably, he would probably try it, but he would probably be shot down in fiery, fiery flame. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a, I can't think how you would possibly suggest it's a horror sequel, that one. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, we, as you said, we've got a pretty decent cast in this film. Um, our main character, our main actor, Denzel Washington, who's going to be playing Coach Boone. Yeah. And uh, over our opening credits, we're seeing shots of a cemetery and we get the uh, title saying that we're in Alexandria, Virginia in 1981 at a funeral. Um, and basically it's um, it's a very large group of people, but um, integrated. There are peop- black guys and there are white guys in our group. Exactly, yes. And is this about... Do we get the big classic based on the true story font here as well at some point? We do. We never actually see the words, but we we know that's what we're lo- we're looking at, don't we? Yes, we do. And we and we get one of my least favourite tropes in film, which is uh, book ending with a narrator for that you don't really need. It's kind of it's kind of only worked a couple of times. I mean, it it worked it worked in Casino, um, but yeah. It's a, it's a tricky thing, is the old voiceover. It's uh, it's a difficult beast to master. 
I always find I, I don't mind a narration if it's consistent through a film, but I always find it a bit annoying when it starts a film and then you're at you're right at the end of a film and it starts again and you go, oh yeah, there was a narrator for this, wasn't there? <laughs> yeah, no, do Disney films quite quite have a bit of a propensity for this kind of this kind of bookending action voiceover? I feel like I've seen a few Disney films that do this. Um, possibly, but to be honest, for this podcast, I don't think we've come across that many. I think they probably did in they did in Tomorrowland, and right. uh, that can fuck off. But apart from that, I think this might be the only one we've done. But yeah, the voiceover starts by uh, it's very, very sort of narrative plot heavy, letting you know where we're at and saying that it all began in uh, when there was no race mixing in uh, 1971 and that high school football was a way of life. Um, so straight away, it's, it's it hits you over the head with this is a film about racism. Yes, and it, it bludgeons you quite a lot with that um, throughout the film, especially. Uh, as we go through in the first sort of half an hour, uh, yes, <laughs> it's a difficult. It's a difficult point not to pick up on put it that way. <laughs> yeah, our very first shot, we see a protest happening where basically some of the white football players, then they're, they're very very angry that they're going to lose positions to um, black players because theirs is going to be one of the very first schools that integrates their sports teams. And yeah, so Denzel Washington is going to be the new assistant coach, or at least that's how they start telling the white coaches. But we find out later on that he's actually head coach. Basically, as soon as we're introduced to him as assistant coach, he's then renamed head coach straight away. Yes, exactly. And the the, um, the white players are not best pleased uh, about this, um, especially the, uh, the captain of the yes. team. Um, who it was bugging the shit out of me who that guy was. Um, yeah, he seemed very, very familiar. Yeah, so I did a bit of old research, you know, as is my Winton, and um, he was OP from Sons of Anarchy, which is what I know him from. Ah, right. Well, I've not seen that, so he must be from something else that I've seen. But do you know what? There's something about a film's about sport that made me just say, I'm not doing any research at all today, and I haven't. So you'll be able to fill us in with a bit more knowledge outside of what was on screen because I won't be able to give you any. Yes, that's right. I can I can flavour you with a little bit of sport and context as we go, and uh, <laughs> a couple of the of the more hidden um, and slightly under the radar cast members that you may be surprised uh, were in it. I guess as we go. Yeah. So then we go to Denzel Washington's character. Coach Boone, um, we go to his house in the evening and he's chatting with um, this guy who I think was called Doc. And he basically says that, you know, he he left North Carolina because um, he got passed over for a, a, a better, higher paid job for a white guy that was absolutely a dumbass and shit at his job and couldn't do it. And he said that he's basically not, he's not going to give up now. He's not going to give up his new position. And then they, they go out to the front of the house and the whole street um, is all applauding him outside because basically this is the very start of um, integration for the whole state by the sounds of it. So um, the locals are really happy that he's been put in a, a position of de- decent authority. Yeah. yeah. Or at least that's what they think it'll be. Yeah. There's a lot of sledgehammer stuff going on here with the racial, uh, the racial issues, uh, from the off. I mean, although to be fair, I mean, 
is 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 the issue uh, a racial issues Disney's forte historically to <laughs> Well, I would say after watching the whole of this film, no. And are they any good at it? Possibly not. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a weakness um, throughout the canon of uh, Disney live-action films, I fear. <laughs> yes, there's some that we aren't even able to watch, so... No. For reasons. Yes. <laughs> yes. In the vault permanently. To uh, research that further, listeners. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it Coach Boone says that, you know, I'm not a saviour, I'm just a football coach. But obviously we're setting up that this is going to mean a lot more than just football in this film. Then we go to the white coach's house. And honestly, for the whole of this, I did not get his name. So he's just called white coach in a lot of my notes. But um, the standout is that rather rather than him, the standout is actually his daughter, who's played by Hayden Panettiere. Panini, I, I can never remember how. Panettiere, yeah. Um, who obviously got famous off um, the show Heroes back in the day. Do you remember that? I do, yeah. I remember it. Uh, I really liked the first series. Um, and then after that, it wasn't very good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. just, just a quick one to assist you uh, in your in your travails. Um, the white coach is called the very white name of Bill. Bill, right. Well, I, I should remember that, but I'll write it on my hand. There we go. Bill. Bill. White coach Bill. <laughs> that sounds like a KKK, like... Uh... It does slightly, doesn't it? <laughs> like um, a, like a, uh, an office held by a member. <laughs> I mean, these, these, these sort of opening scenes with, with the white section of this town, uh, I don't know... What you felt it reminds me of, but it very much reminded me of that episode of South Park with the dates of Kerry Jones. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I was never a, f- a fan of South Park, but I, I can, I've seen enough of it to know what you're on about. Very, what? it's a lot of angry mob kind of stuff that you see on The Simpsons as well, isn't it? Oh, gosh, you can't compare the South Park to The Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can because Chris is, isn't here to tell me off, so I can do what I like. <laughs> yeah, so his daughter is really pissed off because, in his honour, because obviously he's technically been demoted, and Denzel's telling him that, you know, that I know you're upset, but we ought to really stay as a unit so that, the, you know, that we're showing solidarity and we're not causing any more chaos for the kids and things. And to be honest, like, we've, we're obviously supposed to think that Bill is a good guy because he never really shows much of an issue with anything. He just kind of keeps his mouth shut and just looks a bit perturbed. So that yeah. later so that later on he hasn't said anything incriminating and we can like him by the end of the film. Yeah, exactly. He just sort of sits there uh, a little bit. Which... There's, there's a thing that happens, as you've said, like the first 30 minutes of the film are very, it's almost like a film of two halves and it changes a lot after that. But the first half is a lot of white white men standing in the background just going, oh, and not actually doing anything. Absolutely. Absolutely, that's what it is, for sure. Because, because as well, I suppose, we don't want to offend uh, the audience, half the audience for the film as well. We, want, we don't want white people thinking, oh, aren't white people awful? But um, most of the time, yes, they are in this. <laughs> The film does. The film does. Um, although it is based on a true story, it does give the the white audience the classic 
white audience out in situations like this, which is because it's set in period, the white audience would say, oh, wasn't it terrible back then? We're not like that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Bill holds a meeting with the white players and their families and says that basically he's moving to coach a, a, for the next town over. Um, but all of this, uh, the kids say that, you know, if, if you go, then we're leaving as well. And Bill feels bad because he doesn't want these kids to essentially put their futures on the line. And then from here, we go straight to the school gym and are introduced to Turk from Scrubs. Yes, yes, exactly. Another uh, another familiar face. Um, yeah, it's got a really good cast of this film. And I do think yeah. the performances are pretty good. Um, you know, Will Patton, who plays Bill, is quite a well-regarded character actor. who has been quite a lot of things. And yeah, the performances are pretty solid, generally. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, the the guy that played Turk in Scrubs, his character is called Petey, and he's trying to act all like the cool guy, but Coach Boone comes in and slaps him down, showing that we are not having any fun in this film. Yes, yes, he's, he's a bit, he is a bit like the fun police throughout, isn't he? Yeah, um, and this is something I really struggled with because, as you say, like the actors are doing good performances. But, you know, our main character is essentially Denzel Washington as Coach Boone. And he spends the whole film being basically horrible to everybody. To the point where by the end of the film, I didn't feel like I really knew him as a character. I didn't know anything about him other than he thinks that sport should be like being in the army. Yeah, and I think there is a, I think that's kind of a, almost a little bit of a sport thing. I, I agree with yeah. you to a point, uh, but I think, a lot of sort of coaching mentalities within sports have played various team sports in their life. Um, especially the older school are very much like, you know, this is, this is a regime. This is, it needs to be done in this way. It's very point A and point B, which to an extent team sport kind of has to be because if you've got sort of, I don't know how many players there are on an American football pitch, but in, in, in British football or soccer, um, you know, you have 11 people on a pitch that have to work sort of in lockstep, otherwise the whole thing falls apart. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, but it, 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 they don't make enough use, I don't think, of the scenes with him and his family and the head of Pelletier and, and Will Patton outside of the, the structure of the training and the team scenes to, to give him enough yeah. outside of that. I think you're right. Because, yeah, we do see a few scenes of him with his family, but, um, They've done that whole cost-cutting thing of having him, having his wife as a, basically a non-speaking role. But then what we really need is scenes with him spending time and maybe talking with his wife would have fleshed out the character a little bit more. Um, yeah. But, you know, when you're working with a real real-life character, how much can you, how much of that can you show? I, I don't know. But, but yeah, back to the gym. Um, we also meet Ethan Suppley, who is playing the character Louis Lastic, who I knew from as Willem from Mall Rats, who's uh, probably still in that mall trying to find that schooner. <laughs> That's where I, I, I know him from as well. I know he's in American History X as well, but I always go to Mall Rats on, on him. So, yeah, he's got a history of uh, racist films then. Is, is he a white supremacist in, in that? Because I've not actually seen it. 
I think he has. It's been a very long time since I've seen it, but I, th- I think I think he was, yeah. Because in this film, he's the opposite in that his character is, I'm too stupid to be racist. Yes, yes. <laughs> see the racial issues and the, uh, he admires both cultures. Yeah, but in a very naive way of not even acknowledging the existence of racism at all. He yes. just is he's incredibly, he's a very uh, lovable character. Um, if anything, he's he's the character that I kind of uh, connected with more than any of the others, I think. Yeah, he's kind of the comic relief, isn't he, as well? Yeah. Um, and then in comes all the angry white boys with the coaches. You know, they all have a... they all uh, The coaches start swinging the dicks about, essentially. Yes, um, dicks swinging here. Yeah, uh, in, you know, showing their uh, place in the team in front of all the lads. Um, and then... We are off on a football camp. Yes, we are, yes. There's a little bit of bickering. There's a little bit of uh, awkward, janky use of uh, black music and soundtrack. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, we're, we're all sort of on on a getting on a bus into camp. Now, just before they get on the bus, we do kind of establish um, Opie from Sons of Anarchy, the, the captain, and his, and his pal, who is also quite racist, and that's something that we'll play later. Yeah, they try and uh, swing their dicks about in front of um, Coach Boone as well, but Boone slaps them down, calls them Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis, which was quite funny, and and calls them that in front of all the parents as well to embarrass them. So we know that this uh, uh, Denzel's not not fucking around, basically. No, exactly. He's uh, he's on a mission, isn't he, to get get things the way he wants them to be. Yeah. Um, and gives a, a liberal use of, you know, who's your daddy, which I quite liked. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He really does. Uh, he doesn't hold back when he sticks it to them, which is just quite, I think it's quite admirable in a way, because you kind of, you're giving that character quite a lot of leeway there to kind of really stick it back to uh, the racist in a way that, you know, Disney certainly of old. Um, <laughs> Probably frowned upon slightly. The only thing with these shots, though, is it's um, the first time we get a decent sort of quite an extreme close up of some of these kids' faces, and it's very obvious that some of them are about thirty-five. Yes, yes. This one was made in two thousand, wasn't it? Um, yeah. You've got the likes of um, you've got the likes of. I mean, I think Donald Faison was quite old here, wasn't he? Surely. I, don't know. I mean, you're right. A lot of them, a lot of them do look quite old. Yeah. yeah. Donald Faison almost like 26. Um, right. That's too bad. But yeah, you're right. Quite a few quite a few of them um, certainly look like they've been in high school for a while. Then Coach Boone, he splits the um, bus loads. Um, he splits them so that it's the offensive players in one bus, the defensive players in another, and he gets them to buddy up uh, black, white, black, white, black, white. So yeah, he's, he's not afraid to get people chatting with each other i think that's the intention um but obviously things don't go quite as planned to begin with um Uh, gary gary the white captain and julius um his black counterpart immediately start getting into a a little bit of a rook on the bus yeah and then when we actually get to the camp which i thought would be like a proper summer camp in the wilderness somewhere but it was just like at another posh school by the looks of it (laughs) Yeah, it, it felt like a very short bus journey to me. It felt like they just went around the corner, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. Dramatic convenience. Yeah. Um, and then they're bunking up, 
and yeah, the, um, the 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 diplomatic way I wrote this was that the white people were getting a little bit picky. I think that's a fair, fair assessment. <laughs> um, basically telling um, the black players that they can't put posters up that they want or be in the specific beds they want and things. So obviously a fight breaks out. Coach calls them fifth grade sissies, which I always think phrases like that always uh, make me laugh in an American film because then I have to try and figure out how old they would be in the fifth grade. Yeah, I, I, I love I love the fact that the poster Julius's poster that causes all the eruptions is uh is of the Berlin Olympics when the black athletes raised their raised their fists. Yeah, just like just just the most sort of like on what's the most on the nose poster sorry <laughs> you come up with to sell this scene. Yeah, there's absolutely nothing of, of subtlety in this film so far. Right. Coach Boone gets them all together to do a big speech and doing a big speech is kind of a running theme for this. And I know it's the running theme of a lot of sport films. Uh, basically, the 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 content of it is if you're shit, you're going to run a mile. Whatever you do, if, you, if you're not good, you're running a mile. Um, basically showing that he's a hard ass. But we set up that basically whoever wrote all of these speeches... Um, well, they weren't very good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every, every single speech is um, very trite, and it's just exactly what you anyone could sit down and write it if they were thinking of a emotionally rousing sports speech. And yes. the, the music that accompanies each scene is incredibly standard and average, and it, what you'd expect. Yeah, it's. I mean, on the face of it, objectively, it's a banger of a soundtrack. But it's just the usage of of, of, of the bangers that's a yeah. little. It's a little bit lazy. Yeah, there's a lot of. Uh, we get plenty of Motown um, scattered throughout, which is um, the diegetic music of the film, anyway, because all the kids are listening to Motown, and that's yeah. always fun. I love a bit of Motown, but the rest of the score ain't ain't really that good. <laughs> It's not particularly memorable. Yes, that's it. Not that it's not good, it's just not memorable. Um, then we get a training montage, which again, obviously we're going to get shit tons of these. And uh, it's all very army bullshit is what I put. It's all very regimented. It's very, it's very harsh. They're all getting there. Uh, it's not a very good advertisement for wanting to join team sports. No, no, it's not. And I think a lot of things about team sports, I mean, obviously... There's an element of this still in play in team sports, um, but it's um, I think it's something that has has changed slightly. Although you know the the thing with it is, especially at a sort of elite each level, which um, in America high school high school football is yeah. uh, a, a really high level of of um, ability. Um, it's it's very fine margins, especially in a game such as. Uh, football, where it, it's almost so I'm told it's been often compared to chess, and that it's quite a, it's quite a tactical and nuanced game. So I'm told, uh, and so as a result, the margins are quite fine, uh, which is why why I think the, the regime is quite brutal. Yeah. Then uh, we go to lunch, and our mate Louis Lastic he sits with them 
one of the tables of the black players and he does because as we said earlier he doesn't see race at all and he's happy to sit there and basically he's very fat anyway so um none of the other uh, players want to sit with him anyway um and the white guys call him a traitor and he he gets on pretty well with the black um kids straight away doesn't he he he's a big fan of motown already before he's actually come to the to the training and they yeah. kind of they kind of bond over that. He, he likes a good sing song. This kid, he does, yeah. And, and sort of within the scene as well, he kind of Denzel Washington asks him to describe um, something about one of his new teammates, and it's yeah. kind of a comedic little thing. Um, and it's it's the first sort of spark, if you can call it that, of this possibility that, that some integration might be able to take place here. I think Denzel Washington's character kind of identifies that and decides yeah. that. Everybody has to find out something different about one of their teammates every day. Um, yeah. Just a very forced way to integrate people. Coach Boone kind of makes a a comment about when Louis will be in university or whatever, or college. Um, and he admits that, well, that's never going to happen because I'm thick as shit, <laughs> essentially. Yes. But um, Coach uh, breathes under his breath to say that he'll help him um, get better. And then he asks, you know, is, is there anyone else that can say something about um, one of the other players? And there's silence, but from both sides as well. It's not just the uh, racist whites. The uh, the black um, players can't say anything about the white guys either. Yeah, I think it's quite interesting to know. And although it's, it's really unfortunate that they didn't go further with this, because I think this would have been very, very interesting if it was pursued in the narrative. But it, it's kind of, it's clear that the, the, the racism... It cuts in two directions. Yeah. Um, which I think is something that's really interesting and I'm quite disappointed it wasn't kind of explored a little bit more. Every time you think something's going to get deeper, then they just they forget about it straight away, don't they? In this, um, Yeah, so they decide that everyone's got to socialise with everyone um, and we get another montage of everyone trying to learn about each other, which is quite funny because... Um, you see a lot of shots of the white kids with their notebooks as if they're like studying black people, which I thought was yes. quite quite funny. It's quite it's quite a fun little sequence. Yeah, um, but the standout bit is um, another um, high billing cast member. We've got Ryan Gosling, who apparently loves country music. We learn in this bit. Yes, Ryan Gosling. Yeah, now this you, as, as someone who's more of a Disney expert than I, am I right in thinking Ryan Gosling came through that whole Disney Club thing or whatever it's called? Oh, that's a good point. I think he probably did. I think he might have. The, the, the Justin Timberlake and Britney Spears Club, as I call it. Yeah. <laughs> what is it with Ryan Gosling and getting cast to in these roles where he just does not say anything ever? Yeah, he's, he's a bit like um, he's a bit like Jeff Goldblum in the in the uh, remake of um, Oh Christ of Invasion um, of Body Snatchers. All right. Um, Jeff Goldblum sort of just just bumps around a bit, says lines. As himself, essentially, and just fucks off again. It's very strange, but it's quite similar to this game. I wonder if he's really bad at learning lines because every film that I've seen him in, he he barely has anything to say, and he's just kind of, as you say, bumbles around in the background. Yeah, maybe, maybe. All But yeah, he's, he's he's got a pretty face, so we'll let him off. Yes. Yeah, so Louis, one of the other kids says that he, uh, they're going to tutor Louis for him. We go back to training, and this is kind of where we learn that. Um, Gary is the captain, or at least is when I figured it out, because that's when I wrote it down. <laughs> is this a sequence where one of the players, I think it's Blue, um, was wanting a water break because he's fucking yes. Yeah, and Coach says that water's for cowards, and it's like, 
no, it's for keeping you alive at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but the, and then when they finally get them, for, they're allowed to go for a water break. I think it's one of my favourite little sequences of the start of this film because it kind of basically they all run over to the water and they knock it all over because they're fighting with each other and nobody gets any. And I think yeah. that's quite a, a nice little sort of representation of the kind of nobody wins in racism, Rob. Nobody wins racism. Exactly, yeah, exactly. And by this film standards, I think that's quite nicely done. Um, well, yeah, because it's, as you say, it's all of the themes of the film otherwise are very bluntly just um, expressed outright in the dialogue, whereas that is the first example of it actually showing up visually or, or quite artistically. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. exactly um, that. Yeah, and Coach's daughter is the water girl as well, so. We're just finding excuses for her to still be about. Yeah, she gives them all the ball to which is quite funny. Yeah. Gary and uh, Julius argue about sport, um, and that's as far as I can tell you about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, around about this point, like the whole Gary and Julius thing, I'm like, fucking hell, guys. Like, literally, like, it's so boring that you can argue over five minutes. Just either fuck or fucking get over it. Like, Yeah, it's, it's there's real strong rom-com vibes, isn't there? Yeah, there is, and it's like just, just like you don't. I don't know. It just feels like at this point, every scene with them two is the same scene in a slightly different. Yeah. And then they all get woken up at three a.m. the next morning uh, for a run through the woods, which obviously they're all excited about. Not, and someone actually says, you know, this is high school football, not the Marines. They run out to a cemetery, and it is the Gettysburg Cemetery from the Battle of Gettysburg. And basically, coaches using it as a metaphor for, you know, if you don't come together as a team, uh, we'll be destroyed and you'll all look stupid and we need to all ex- uh, respect each other. And then we go straight to a training montage where none of us are racist now. Yes, exactly. It's a bit it's a bit convenient, but then at the same time, it's kind of like, I don't know, it's the pacing was a little bit off for the yeah. first time. 20 minutes or so before it and I think as a result of that because um, they're kind of fucking about repetitiously telling the audience that there's tension here and they didn't sort of start to to bring in elements to alleviate that tension early enough no so I think it's kind of like there's a situation here in the script where like oh fuck it let's just get Denzel to say something rousing to everyone and everyone will learn the error of their ways yeah because we're already half you know 30 minutes into the film and we need to wrap up everyone falling out because essentially the 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 plan from here is that then they're all going to be fine but society isn't and that's the rest of the film isn't it yeah exactly and yeah once the sort of like you know training comes just out of the way like everyone becomes very you know very pally pally very quickly after after the speech and we, we kind of start to see um, the team captain, the white team captain, coming around things a little bit. Um, Gary starts to kind of soften a little bit towards his black teammates at camp, and yeah. that kind of, by implication, because he's the in, inverted commas leader on the pitch. Most of, important to note, not quite all, but most of uh, the white players kind of start falling behind him a bit. Yeah, and. Um... Then whilst they're training, a hippie in a sports car turns up uh, and with his dad, who is um, the colonel of the local army base, 
um, and says that his son's a quarterback and basically they've got to find space for him in the team as well. So this is a weird little bit of extra friction. I'm not sure if we needed at any point. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't really get this character's place in the film other than probably to be historically accurate. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's kind of... It's a bit of a weird one. I mean, in the next sequence, kind of his existence is kind of explained slightly. Um, when we get the what I've written here as the, uh, the Disney feel good vibe intensifies in the locker room scene, yeah, where uh, everyone's having banter. Yeah, so we have this scene. Yeah, he comes in. They, they, the black kids are dissing him and call him Sunshine because of his hippiness, but he's okay with it. They have, they have a good rousing. Uh, round of your mama jokes which i really liked in some somehow it's very 1971 when the film set but also very 2000 when the film was made <laughs> yeah exactly yeah and um and the scene sort of uh reaches a bit of a, a crescendo when uh when our new hippie chap uh basically takes the banter too far and um gives gary a big old kiss and um, the, the response of the of the team and the white guys in the locker room is basically, well, we're all right with the black stuff, but can't be bringing any of that gay shit in here as well. That's too far. Yeah, and then the thing that pissed me off so much is I thought, yeah, oh, great, this character's then, all, we're also going to have a gay character, and that's going to be an extra level of depth that we can use. But after this, he just then spends the rest of the film going, no, I'm not gay, no homo. Yeah, or does it matter if I am? It's, it's kind of that whole, well, you know, you're kind of sitting on the fence a little bit on that one there. There's no opportunity for the other characters to accept him as a gay man because he doesn't tell them he's a gay man. Yeah, exactly. So exactly. I got very annoyed at this. And I'm sure a lot of people in 2000, when this was probably the most uh, queer you've seen on a film, will have come out going on about how inspirational it was. But from a modern standpoint it just looks silly <laughs> yeah exactly i guess we kind of have to keep it in context of its time don't we it was yeah. 20 years i suppose but as soon as this character arrives his arc is wrapped up because now we know he's gay and everyone's fine with it and then he just carries on being in the film and and it never comes up with his family because yeah he's got a, he's got an army colonel for a dad so i wonder if there was a lot that ended up on the cutting room floor with this character yeah, I think I think so. I think there's a chance. Yeah, it feels like something else was developed with that character. Yeah, I think I suspect um, that you know Disney being the accessible company that it is and wasn't, especially at this time. Uh, I think there was probably some more stuff about that character's sexuality in the cut, and they were a bit like, "What? This is a bit too much for us, lads." Um, <laughs> we can't have this in a locker room. Yeah, yeah, we've already, we've already said sorry to the blacks for all of those things. <laughs> one, one argument at a time. Exactly, one argument at a time. We'll give it another 15 years before we uh, acknowledge gay culture, if that's okay. <laughs> and then we uh, we round up with a nice big sing-song as well, um, everyone getting on. And then there's another bit of quite good, subtle commentary, let's say, when they go to lunch the next day and the all the tables are... Um, segregated by whether they're defensive or offensive, um, rather than black and white, which is you know deep. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty deep for uh, for sports. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. So that kind, of, and we're kind of like reaching the sort of 
the, the peak of these scenes now at the camp where everyone's kind of happy, clappy teammates. Yeah. And we get a scene where um, PT's asking uh, Sunshine if he's gay and, and he says, well, does it matter? And then that's, as you say, that's that's that whole arc finished within five minutes. Yeah. Coach Boone's daughter meets um, Bill's daughter as well. And um, Coach Boone kind of makes the suggestion because Bill's, daughter is quite a tomboy and really interested in sports boone kind of suggests oh don't buy you should go and buy your daughter a doll or something basically saying she's not girly enough so yeah and and obviously this is kind of supposed to be like oh you know they're they're worried about racism but they're also you know that doesn't stop them being sexist and all of this and it's all very uh again trying to be deep and then it's not explored past that kind of thing (laughs) Uh, yes, no, I mean, that, that is kind of explored a little bit further because sort of later on in the film where, where Boone's daughter meets Finn Pantier and she's playing basketball and she says, oh no, I'm not playing some stuff, my nails done. And then later on in the film, like, <coughs> Finn Pantier's bolting Boone for his defensive formations and. Yeah. I suppose um, it's quite like the, the girls learn to be friends despite being uh, black and white and also despite having different uh, likes let's say so yeah I yeah. suppose it does get explored a bit I'll, I'll take that one back <laughs> what happens next Timothy so the note I've written is just uh, victory in capital letters so I think that was them just being excited that they're all friends because we haven't actually done a done a game yet <laughs> exactly yeah and, and then they all go back uh, to school and one of my favourite little moments in this film where I was laughing my ass off was just the look of indignation all of the racist parents faces when their <laughs> when their white children come back all friends with the the black children. It yeah. absolutely creased me. It reminded me of all the Karens in America this week that are uh, you know protesting their God given right to a haircut. It was uh it was very apt for the uh for the global situation we find ourselves in right now. <laughs> right. Yeah, so there's a racist rally on the first day of school. Um, Gary's girlfriend, Emma, won't shake Julius's hand either, even though Gary's all uh, mates with Julius now. Yes, this is Kate Bosworth, isn't it? Is it? This is a young Kate Bosworth. Oh. Who plays. I, I only realised that when I was kind of halfway through and I was doing that whole annoying, you know, when you watch the film, you think, ah, fucking, you're familiar to me and I need to find out where from. Yeah. And uh, I did yeah, that is, that is a young Kate Bosworth. God, every single... This cast is insane. I know, um, I know. I'll, I'll go through it now. I've got it in front of me. It's yeah, go on. Then. So you've got Denzel Washington, uh, Will Patton. Um, the guy who plays Gary is called Ryan Hurst. Not a big name, but kind of known to fans of Sons of Anarchy. Um, we've got Donald Faison from uh, Scrubs. We've got Ethan Supley, who we've discussed. We've got Hayden Panettiere, Kate Bosworth, Ryan Gosling. It's quite good, isn't it? And it's all it it's all people just sort of on the cusp of their careers, half of it as well, isn't it? So must have been quite uh, cost effective at the time. Yes, very um, much so. Then yeah, Doc um, is talking to uh, Coach Boone again and says that he's just found out that if you fail a match at all, um, you're going to get shit canned. Oh, sorry, not match, game. We're not talking about soccer. Yeah, if he loses one game, he's, he's fired, which 
um, you know, to, I mean, it's obviously, it's pretty obvious to anyone, but, um, you know, it, that is, that is, that is pretty much as close to an impossible situation spots as you can ever get, because even the very best teams, the very, very best teams lose a game. You know, Barcelona lose a game every season. You know? Yeah. I, I was able to understand that that was not normal. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's basically, it, yeah, it's basically impossible. It's basically like, it's like me telling you to watch every live action Disney film in a row in chronological order in a week. <laughs> God, God, don't even, don't even put that idea out there. Jeez. And I, I, I know we're all stuck at home right now, but I have got other things to do. <laughs> yes. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, we go to our first game of the season. Um, obviously Boone starts with a big rousing pep talk and ends with, Oh, by the way, the other team's all white. Which I, I kind of guess was coming up because they are pretty much the only team I think that have been integrated. So we didn't really need to mention it, but okay. Um, yeah. And he, in his speech, he talks about how the Titans uh, in Greek mythology were greater than the gods, and I'm not really sure that's true. But, but for for, uh, for reasons of dramatic convenience, <laughs> uh, it, it is there. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I quite like the way this game starts because they're kind of a little bit shit, um, which is sort of fairly reflective of if you if you throw two sets of players together and like you go to one camp for a couple of weeks, um, a team that does not make. Um, so I quite like the fact they're a bit shit at first. Yeah, and then it ends with um, quite a controversial uh, decision being made about PT uh, being switched to defence at the last minute and whether or not that's going to go well. But it does go well, and they win, because of course they do. Yeah, and they, they scrape a win. Yeah. So then the next day to... Oh, no, before that, um, Gary's girlfriend dumps him. Yes, because he's not racist enough any, anymore, and the lads yeah. go out on the town instead, and he, Gary decides to join them. Yeah, the the part of his character that really turned her on the most was that he was racist. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's implied, is it implied or outright said that this is in the Carolinas? It feels like it is. Um, um, I can't remember where it says that they're... Yeah, it, it's somewhere southern. Somewhere a little bit southern, yes. Yeah. They're, then Sunshine tries to get the guys to go to a, uh, two of the uh, black players to go to a, a standard white bar, and the the owner refuses to serve them after after they they'd said to Sunshine, "We won't get in," um, but he didn't listen to them. And this is a teaching moment about how uh, you know Sunshine hadn't realised how racism works. I think. Exactly, yeah. and they all have a bit of a fallout and blame Sunshine like it's his fault, and um, and then we sort of move on from there. Really, it's kind of set up like, yes, it's the character Sunshine, but basically it's a way to educate the audience that this was not a thing that could happen back then, because obviously, yeah. like in two thousand, I as when I was eleven, I would probably have not known that. So it's it's kind of this whole film is very much baby's first racism. Yeah, it's ve- yeah. it's very um, one layer, isn't it? Yeah, there's a big. Does, uh, sorry, you does, go. Does Denzel, sorry, mate. Does Denzel uh, bollock the white coach for basically being too soft? Yes, he uh, does. Yeah, just like just a bit fucking like like you said earlier, it's kind of it's quite this quite one dimensional, quite aggressive Denzel Washington. Where scenes like that, when the kids aren't around, that he's supposed to be the tough guy in front of, 
you can show a little bit more, but they just don't. Yeah, and as well, like, it's one note for the narrative, but it's also one note for the character of Bill, who we've barely even mentioned in this whole uh, bit, because, as I said earlier, his whole role in this film is just standing in the corner of a shot, not saying anything, but looking a little bit concerned by what's going on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, go to Gary's mum's house, and we learn that she's a bigot. Surprise, surprise! Um, she says yeah. some not very nice things. Then we go to game game. She bollocks for being friends with black people, isn't she? Basically, yeah, that's pretty much it. We go to game two, which I put was a win, I think, because I looked away for two seconds and then it was over. So Yeah, so again, um, basically the, impl- the implication within the second game, the, different, the cracks are sort of re-emerging now that they're back in, uh, in society at large from the camp and their performance is they just about do enough to win, but they, they don't help each other on the pitch in the way a team should, right. basically. Get away with wanting is, is essentially what happens here. For a film about football, after the first thirty minutes at camp, the the actual footage of the games as played is very very short scenes. I thought yes, and I know I know Dave on your podcast. He likes to talk about filmic geography and how easy it is to understand what's going on, and the whole sequences on the football field are very much close up and just individual instances so you don't really have a a main idea of what's happening on the field yeah no exactly or at least i didn't i know i'm completely useless when it comes to american football but the story is not about the games half time no no i think i think the most the most that the game any one of the games is used as a the device intelligently within the plot is, is in the next game along. Uh, yeah. From, from the one that, um, that we've just seen there. There's kind of a couple of, it's, it's quite a short gap between those two games in the narrative because you need to build this idea that they're going on a bit of a winning streak. Yeah. So you tend to have to, like, stack them up a little bit. Sort of in the immediate aftermath of the game that we just talked about, um, the players kind of call a meeting, don't they, to try and sort their differences. And Denzel and the other coach have a bit of a domestic, and it's kind of all a little bit, you know. Yeah. Yeah, we get a lot going on in a short space of time. We get a lot of sort of japes around school with people falling out and stuff. Then they're at home at Denzel's uh, analysing plays footage from uh, the other team that they're going up against and someone well what I wrote was that I got a text so I looked away and then when I looked up Denzel had a shotgun and I was like whoa have we changed films um but it turned out someone had thrown a brick through his window um and then a car drives off um so again it's just it's just building this tension that things are are tense and obviously yeah. racism is still there. Yeah, <laughs> and there's a, there's a lot of pressure I think on the next game because it's kind of someone basically alludes to the fact that I don't think Denzel Washington is the the biggest game so far because the team they're playing is the best team they've played um, so far and um, the, the games doesn't they sort of they have this meeting the players and they come together and they kind of reconnect a little bit and at the start of this game against against their local rivals they all come out sort of do a kind of little song and dance number together. Yeah, it was kind of their version of the hacker, wasn't it? It was like, um, it was cute. I quite like this little bit. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, and it's nicely done. And, and the, the coach of the other team, like everyone else in this film, is white and a little bit racist. 
Uh, yeah. And he tells his team to bat them, basically, which they start to do in the first half, and the star quarterback gets injured, but then there's been some suspicion as to whether the, the OP from Sons of Anarchy, sorry, Gary's friend, um, who is still quite racist, didn't protect him and, and do his job. So the guy got injured, and that's when that's when that's when the sort of backup quarterback guy comes into, into play a little bit. Yeah, they did um, at the beginning of after they did the little dance. They did a, a really fun little call and response uh, song called "Everywhere We Go," and I really like this because um, we used to sing it when I was in Scouts. Yes, <laughs> I did wonder if you uh, if you had any uh, particular thoughts on that little sequence because it was it's got a little bit of a musically element to it, hasn't it? Yeah, it was nice. Um, reminded me of my childhood. Although I hated scouts as much as I hated sports, to be honest. So. <laughs> the only thing I liked about going to scouts was going on camps. They were always fun. Yeah, exactly. We, were you a scout or a cub or anything like that? I was a scout, yes. I was a scout recently. I, I, I wasn't very good at it. Um, and I got bored with it quite quick. Our particular troop, um, all of the uh, leaders, they were basically lazy and didn't want to do anything. Sure. So every single week at Scouts, they just played football. And obviously I didn't want to do that. No. So so camps were great and everything else was shit. Sounds about right, Tim. Then, uh, yeah, football happens. Yes. Um, and we... The game's tight, isn't it? And um, they kind of... It's quite... This is the first bit of this film where I feel like there's any kind of drama to the sport. Uh, yeah. Because they kind of only just win, don't they? And you kind of... That the sensation of Denzel's job being on the line actually comes through a little bit here. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it was good. Oh yeah, I thought it was hilarious because um, Hippie Boy Sunshine he he gets uh, replaces a player with a broken wrist and says that he can't do it. And Denzel's emotional speech to get him to play was to basically say that his parents died when he was really young and he wasn't ready. And I was like, "Fucking hell, man!" Like, yeah, that's it's only elite. it's only football. Yeah. <laughs> It's calm us down a little bit. Uh, but yeah, they, they win anyway, don't they? And, they do. And Denzel goes home and he's quite happy. Um, and then the, there's a couple of sort of shots of the guys kind of mooching around a little bit and it kind of comes over to um, Julius, who's um, about to cross a road to go to Gary's house, I think. Yeah. And a police officer pulls up in his squad car and you kind of think, oh, here we go. Police are going to be all racist to him, and uh, he just tells him that he did a good game to him. Yeah, yeah, racism is finally over. It's <laughs> all. Yeah, we find out that um, Bill, the coach, has been nominated for the Hall of Fame, and the leader of whoever is in charge of this, the 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 committee, is telling him that Boone Boone's out, mate. So uh, you then you can be head coach. But obviously, Bill is a good man and and is fine with Boone sticking around. Then we go to regionals, um, which I was assuming meant it was the final. Um, is that right? No, we've got another game left to that. We get, is this where we get a bit of a montage of them winning quite a few games? It, yeah, it could be that. Yeah, there's a there's a cheating ref at this point at some yeah involved have, in some way. We have a little a little um, montage of them winning games first, and then yeah, right, it's on to onto the regional. So just to give you a quick breakdown of, of uh, how this shit works, uh, <laughs> is that basically there's regionals and then, a, and, and then a divisional and then a national. So the regional final is, say, if you were... 
Well, we're in northeast Lincolnshire, yes. so it's the best of northeast Lincolnshire. Yes. I'm guessing. So this would be the game for you to be the best in in Lincolnshire, for example, and then my team over here in Yorkshire would win the best in Yorkshire. And then the next so the next level after this game is you start playing the winners from other other sort of divisions, basically. Right. Well, thank you for clearing that up. That's not- um, yeah, so again, we get more pep talks, we get more wins, um, and then the uh, committee guy comes to Bill and basically says he's lost the Hall of Fame because he's he's sticking around with Boone, and uh, but he's 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 not bothered. Um, and then um, Joe, uh, Gary's girlfriend Emma apologizes um, that she's not there yet, but she's trying. Yeah. So she she can only she can only do a half racism from this point on. In, in the game that they that they just win, uh, and he and he and, he, and that guy tells him he hasn't got the Hall of Fame, etc. I think this is the game with the we missed the out where the coach is like a real racist prick, and he calls, yes, he's very full on. He calls isn't Denzel it? Washington a monkey on the news. Uh, oh yes, that's and, right. And then after the game, uh, Denzel Washington goes to shake his hand, and he refuses. So Denzel Washington gives him a banana. <laughs> Good, liked that bit. <laughs> Quite nicely done. Uh, but yeah, you're right. So they win the game, and and the white coach is kind of like he's lost. He's lost out on the whole thing, which is a, a really fucking big deal in American sport. Um, yeah. So he's a little bit disappointed about that, but he knows he's done the right thing. Too. And then when Bo- um, we get a scene where Bill and his daughter are kind of upset that they're not going to be in the Hall of Fame, but you know, there's bigger things, so it's fine. We're you know we're doing this to be good people. When Boone gets home, his whole street is celebrating the win. Um, and uh, Gary is driving through the street really happy, um, all the, but not what all, all the white people clap Boone, don't they? Which I think is quite interesting because they all kind of like threw shit through his windows ten minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, um, racism. It turns out is really easy to solve. You just you just play football. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Sorry. Do carry on. Yeah, and then yeah, Joe. Uh, I've written him down as Jerry Lewis in all of my notes um, from the squabble at the beginning but yeah gary he drive he's driving through the street really happy slams his foot on the accelerator whilst not watching where he's going and drives straight into a truck and is paralyzed from the waist down um which the film treats as this um sort of everyone acting as if it was an unavoidable tragedy but essentially he was driving recklessly Yeah, now this scene where in the hospital where Julius is with him and, and everyone's very upset, this got to meet him, this scene. It, made- it was the first sort of shock of the film. I, it's the first curveball I didn't see coming. A curve, curveball's a football term, right? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah it's, I think there's a real sort of emotion that comes through here. I don't know if it's because I have a different perspective as someone who's played sports quite a lot and I know what what a chance to play at a higher level means to someone who's a sports person. Um, but yeah, I found it quite, I, I nearly choked up a little bit in this bit. Here. I can, I can appreciate that, but I did not. <laughs> You're a hard and heartless man. That's it. Exactly. Yeah, I am. <laughs> Which is a weird thing to say when I'm used to having Chris next to me. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. He's coming to his shoes now, aren't he? <laughs> The coach, we go to the coach office again, and um, Boone says that he's going to hold a press conference. Bill's kind of like, "Well, what are you doing that for? You're just going to make things worse." And he's and saying that, you know, are you sure it's not just about you 
putting yourself in the spotlight, but he has this press conference everywhere anyway, and then it never really comes up again that that was a an issue that they were having. Yeah, I just yeah, there's lots of sort of like some quite quite nice performance stuff here, like yeah, you know, there's there's a nice there's a nice scene with Gary and Julius, and like you say, there's there's kind of a little bit of um this actual emo- the film's been quite short on actual emotion, I think, up to this point. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, it gives it gives certain, certain actors a chance to sort of stretch their legs a little bit. Yeah, and then we get a bit with Gary saying that, you know, he, basically hinting that he's going to uh, take part in the Paralympics, um, Louis Lastic's going to college because he's passed his exams, things like that. So it's, yeah, it's, we're building up some emotional sort of bits to... Uh, emotional payoffs for what we've seen yeah. earlier. So it's yeah. getting very Disney now. Everything's built. It is big Disney ending. And when I was watching this, like I was spoiler alert, I was really into this by this point. And um, and I, I did think to myself when I when I got to the kind of this bit, I thought, oh, you know, Tim must be starting to see some of these Disney tropes coming through here now. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. We see bits like Gary's mum. He hugs Boone's wife. She hugs Boone's wife at one point as well. So we're really r- racking up the uh, the points for not being racist anymore. Emma unracists herself with Julius as well. She shakes his hand. She does, yeah. Then we're on the next game, but the Titans are losing. No, um, this is the big game. This is the big finale. This is the game to win up to win it all. Basically. They have obviously a halftime pep talk. Yeah. Um, and Bill finally talks to the team <laughs> for the first time in the film. I thought I just thought it was really funny that he's supposed to be one of the main characters and he finally talks to the team on the final match. Yeah. Ryan Gosling gives up his, his place so that uh, PT can play. And would you believe it, they win. They do. After some quite dramatic tactical changes and people sacrificing themselves for the team, and Julius yeah. speaks to boost them up as well, like you say... And uh, yeah, they... and uh, I just wanted to say that during the final game, um, I went for a wee and I didn't really bother pausing it because I knew they'd be all right and it would be fine. <laughs> yeah, I know they wouldn't bother making it otherwise. This is this is very Disney now for me. Yeah. When I started watching it, I, I wasn't sure as to how typically Disney this would be. But towards the end, it was very, very Disney. Yeah. And then uh, this is where the um, the daughter's narration kicks back in. Um, and again, it, it always flummoxes me because I've always forgotten there was a narrator at the beginning. And I was just sort of like, oh, yeah, yeah, there was a that, that was how we were framing this with a narrator. Yeah. Um, and she's saying, you know, and then they all did really well and stuff. And then in the bit that made me laugh more than anything else in this film was the way she basically I can't remember what the exact dialogue was, but she goes, oh, and by the way, Gary died. Yes, yes, she just <laughs> drops that on the viewer. Yeah, and that's what you saw at the beginning was us all uh, attending his funeral. <laughs> that's, that's, oh, that's a dark side of shit. Yeah, and then, yeah, we go back to 1981 and she points out in her narrative that all these black and white people had, had got together to attend the grave and it's like, yeah, I know, I can see it with my eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. The, the voice of the stuff is just not necessary, is it? 
No. And then, uh, yeah, they all have a sing-song um, like they did when they were playing the, the football. And then we get our, you know, our usual ending of our What Happens Next uh, dialogue text on the screen. Yeah, a classic, a classic trope. But annoyingly, I quite like in these tropes when they actually show um, the real life images of the real life people. But they didn't for this. It was still just footage from the film that they'd yes. ended up on the cutting room floor. They just shoved back in at the end. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that is Remember the Titans. Exactly. There it is. Done and done. <laughs> So, as you're well aware, Robert, we usually start with our final thoughts, and I'll let you go first. Yes, so, I thought it was, I thought I'd made a terrible mistake in the, <laughs> in the first 30 minutes, because I was watching it, I was like, every other word was like, black people, racism, and I was like, oh no, this is absolutely turgid shit. Um, and then... It got to it got sort of the second act and started picking up a little bit. I was a bit dubious as to get on board with it because the first act was so so cack handed. Um, but by the time I got halfway into it and for the second half of the film, I'll be honest with you, I had a bloody rollicking good time. All right, okay. Um... Which made me come as a surprise, and um, so much so that I uh, I looked up a couple of facts about the film afterwards. Okay. Um, yeah, one of them. Go for it. Really well. And the first one, the first thing that surprised me, because I didn't really IMDb it much or anything, aside from basically I, I saw it on the list, um, and I sort of had a loose recollection for it, of it, and I thought, fuck it, let's give it a go. So I went on the IMDb afterwards, and, um, this film, um, it's scored on IMDb, um, and it's had 191,343 reviews. Um, is 7.8 out of 10. What? <laughs> Which I think is quite high. Um, I mean, I enjoyed it. But Holy shit. <laughs> I don't know if 7.8 enjoyed it. Um, and then as I looked a little bit deeper into the uh, into the page, there's like, you know, the, like the awards section. Yeah. And I'm, I'm scrolling my way through, and there was a particular entry that sort of piqued my interest, shall we say. Um, and it's awards from the 2001 Political Film Society, Tim. Oh, my goodness. Won the following two awards. No, sorry, it won one, and it was nominated for the other one. So it was nominated in the expose category, which I thought was <laughs> very much. <laughs> and, uh, and it was the winner of the 2001 Political Film Society Award for Human Rights. <laughs> what else was released on that year? It must have been Slim Pickens, Christ. Yeah. Uh, oh, hang on, this thing. Oh, God. Yeah, it's a, a very, very strange, strange thing. And the other films yeah. in that category um, were. I have to see why I won that. Um, <laughs> Where, uh, yeah, in the human rights category, there's a film called Before Night Falls, never heard of it. Uh, a film called But I'm a Cheerleader, never heard of it. <laughs> Erin Brockovich, The Hurricane, also starring Denzel Washington, and X-Men. Uh, oh, well, that's an interesting choice for, uh, for that category, actually. Those are my final thoughts, Tim. 
Okay. Um, so yeah, my final thoughts. I've I've not exactly made it um, unknown in this podcast uh, and in the show in general how much I absolutely hate sport. My dad was a PE teacher, so my teenager rebellion was against exercise. So I found very little to um, engage with from that front. Um, I'm not the best to be an advocate for racial issues as i've never had to face any myself really the what i'd written down is that i didn't think it was a particularly good football movie in that the scenes about football were quite brief and not very well executed i thought it was not a very good civil rights movie in that it tended to trivialize a lot of stuff um especially nearer the beginning but it did chill out a bit nearer the end at least um and as I said earlier, I did think it wasn't a particularly good as a biopic in terms of not really giving much character and humanity to many of the characters where there could have been more. Um, but yeah, and the music in particular was making it was very cliched. That's the word that I keep meaning to use. And going on, you know, as you said, it's a it's a Disney film and it feels like a Disney film. Um, and I think. It's difficult to Disneyfy the subject matter. And one thing that I noticed was um, at no point in the film did anyone use the N word. <laughs> so yeah. it's yeah. it's very much it's very much a sterilized version of of showing racism at the time. So to be honest, it wasn't for me. Well, that's fair enough. So. You already joked before we started recording that this was a 10 gemmer for you. So, what's, what's your actual gem count? Well, I, uh, the, as I've said, the first act's pretty, pretty fucking drab. Um, and, but I must say, I did engage with it after a while. I did get on board with it. It did make me laugh in places. I did care marginally about some of the characters and uh, it did in that hospital scene um, make me quite emotional which doesn't always happen so and as someone who quite likes sports um, it's it entertained me which means I'm going to give it a score that you will not be giving Uh, (laughs) I am going to give it seven gems seven Um, okay I will I understand where you personally are coming from. And uh, I, I forgot to say, I was supposed to say it in my final thoughts, but I kind of tried to think of an analogy of what this film made me feel. And it was like, I was really hungry coming into this film because we've, as you know, we've not done many recordings recently. So I was, I'm, I'm still refreshed enough to be excited about sitting down to watch these films. And as if I was hungry for a film. And um, so it's as if this film is as if, with that hunger, I solved it by the first 30 minutes of the film were just like eating a whole raw chili and then following it, then following up with um, a slice of plain toast with no butter. Interesting. So my score, I'm very sorry to say, is a five. It's more than I thought it was going to be. It's not that I disliked any aspect of this film. The problem was that equally I did not like anything. No, I thought it was going to be a three or a four from you, Tim. So that's a pleasant surprise to me. 
it wasn't a negative experience, but honestly, there was no gain for me. Fair enough. No, I get that, and I get, I get how. Uh, and I, I did partly troll you because I know you don't like sports. <laughs> and if I'm ever allowed back, I'll pick something. I'll pick something a little bit more Tim centric, and we can get you all excited about it. Well, if you come back, I'm going to force you to watch Flubber, and then we'll all be happy. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um. So, thank you very, very much for joining us today. Um, where can people find you? Well, people can find me personally uh, on the Twitter uh, at Dance Henry um, and on the Instagram at Bond Out in Space, which is a long story. Um, <laughs> for those interested in horror sequels, 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 and remakes of a wild variety, varying quality, um, you can check out at Cinemortuary on Facebook, on Instagram and on Twitter. Thank you very much. And you can find me on Twitter at TimblesRH. The Twitter for this podcast is at Podwam and we're also on Instagram at WithAltonMouse. So yeah, it's been absolutely brilliant. Thanks again for joining us, Rob, and I'll speak to you soon. Bye. Bye. Without a Mouse is part of the We Made This Podcast Network. Logo by Chris House, theme tune by Peter Thor. Previously on the We Made This Network. Free with this month's issue. And also, um, I wonder if the Tiff Tim Harrington and Colin have been in the same room together. <laughs> I've still got slightly more hair. Because <laughs> so, uh, I, mean, I mean, like, you go on the Wikipedia page, and for a moment I thought Colin was wearing a multi feather, multi coloured feather jacket. <laughs> I am. Yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah. If you were on a Skype call, you'd see that. But, um, yeah, I'm not in less savvy fan. <laughs> <laughs> Cinemortuary. Yeah, yeah, a lot of interesting things with that mechanic, couldn't you? I'm sure. Yeah, you I'm sure the sequels probably play into it. Like, if it's not your turn to die, people just jump out of planes and shit, and they're fine. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Actually, yeah, that'd be yeah, a good. Yeah, thing. Yeah. Do, yeah. Although, the game as a character, would you risk that in case it was your turn? In cases like some information you didn't know about, someone else has been saved there for it's your go now. I mean, if I knew it were going to come eventually, I would absolutely get some knuckles because I would fight my way into the White House just in my fists. <laughs> like, I mean, if you're going to go out anyway, just like man in polo neck charges into White House, takes down 300 Secret Service, <laughs> shits on Donald Trump's face, and kills him by slamming his head in a drawer. <laughs> <laughs> Life's milestones. So, what do you think? Are we going to go with compostable, I like, Chris? I like that as an idea. Oh, there's the <laughs> the, the uh, Hunter S. Thompson firework idea, I quite like as well. Really. What's that? What's he that? had his ashes loaded into a rocket and just shot in it as a firework. Amazing. Whether that's true or not, that's the, the legend has it. Anyway. Well, you get quite a lot of ashes. You could have a firework. Hold you display. could then you could then have some thrown into your garden, or <laughs> you could then have some in a necklace for somebody else. But you get a lot of ashes, and you don't need a lot of ashes yeah. to make it's a weird thing I can't I don't know if I know anyone who's been cremated and then had the ashes I must do but 
I can't imagine having someone's ashes in the house. I thought it feels faintly creepy. I would follow various kind of dog forums on Facebook and mm. you can get dog ashes. And I've got my cat's ashes. I've got cat ashes I, on I, the mantelpiece. I can somehow see that more than a fellow human. Check out all of these shows and more on the We Made This podcast network. Mm.